I want to invite you to open up your Bible today to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. If you, Matthew 25, 31. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to have the scriptures behind me on a screen. Uh, we'll be there in just a minute. Matthew 25, 31. If you came in a little bit late, today is Compassion Sunday. We're going to be looking at uh, partnering with Compassion International. And if, you, if you're wondering, like, why are we doing that? Why are we taking a Sunday to engage with um, children that are in abject poverty? Why are we taking a Sunday to partner with an organization that helps these children get out of poverty? Um, I want to tell you why. I want to give you three quick reasons, and then I'm going to bring somebody up here that you're really going to enjoy. But um, I want to give you three reasons why we're doing this, why we're taking a Sunday to do this, and why I want you to be involved with compassion. Here's the first reason, is that Jesus told us that engaging with folks that were living in poverty, that were the least of these, is one of the most important things we can do as a Christian. Jesus Christ said that himself. As a matter of fact, I want to show you where he said it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking. <clears throat> Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats are on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so Jesus is speaking about judgment day. He's speaking about the day when every tribe, every tongue and every nation is gonna be gathered before him, the glorious throne, and he says, here's what he's going to do. He's going to take all the nations, every person that's ever lived, and he separates them. He says a, sh a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to put believers, his sheep, on his right. He's going to get people that were not believers, that had never followed him, on his left. And then he looks at those on the right, and he says... Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so he's about to tell them, hey, it's time to go to heaven and let's party. And I want to remind you of something, that this is not a made-up story. This is not a parable that Jesus was talking about. Jesus was giving a future prophecy of a day that is going to happen, and you are going to be there. You're in this story. There's nobody that's ever lived that won't be here in this moment whenever it happens. And you're either going to be on his right as his follower, or you're going to be on his left as someone that, who, who was not. Then he looks at the righteous, those of us on his right, and again, he says, come, and you who are blessed by my Father, inherit, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says, here's why I'm giving you the kingdom. Here's why you can come and inherit the kingdom of God that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And what do you think he's going to say next? Don't shout it out, but what do you think he's going to say? You think he's going to say as he looks at his followers, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because 
you ask Christ into your heart, you think that's what he says. On that day of days, on the day of judgment, do you think he's going to say, come all you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Because at some point in time in your life, you walked an aisle and you prayed a prayer. That's not what he says. Here's what Jesus said. He's what he's going to say on judgment day. He's going to say, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then verse 35, he says, for or because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Okay, and then his followers, those of us who are on the right, are going to begin to speak to him. We're going to talk to him. We're going to respond to him. And here's what he says that we're going to say in verse 37. He says, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? And, And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brother, you did it to me. And so Jesus, we're standing there on judgment day. He says, come, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, when I was sick, you came to visit me. And we're going to raise our hand and go, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When were you sick or in prison and we came to see you? And Jesus is going to drop a bomb. He's going to say, hey, look, that during your life, when you were doing that to the least of these, when you were engaging with that to the poor, you were doing it for me. And then he's going to turn to those on his left. And this is one of the most haunting section of verses in the Bible. Jesus turns to those on his left that are not believers, that do not follow him. And here's what he said. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? That's a good question. Like Jesus, if we'd have seen you hungry, we'd have have fed you. If we'd have seen you thirsty, we would have given you a drink. When did we see you being those things? In verse 45, then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And in verse 46, Jesus said, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That sounds pretty serious to me, what Jesus is talking about. I want to be really clear here about something, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus is not saying here that you and I are saved by works. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you're saved Or you're going to heaven because you fed the hungry and you gave water to the thirsty and you clothed the naked. 
How do I know that? Because how does the scripture tell us clearly that we're saved? We're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of works that any man should boast. And so what is going on here? The only explanation for what Jesus is saying is that we're not saved because we fed the hungry, gave water to the thirsty, and clothed the naked. But the only explanation, listen, for what he's saying is that if we are saved, then we're going to feed the hungry. If we're saved, we're going to give water to the thirsty. If we're saved, then we're going in the course of our lives, we're going to engage with the least of these in our society. All right? That's why we're doing this today. It's because Compassion International gives us a tangible way to do exactly what Jesus told us to do. Not me, but Jesus. That he's going to be talking about on the judgment day. So that's number one. Jesus says this is really important. Important safety tip. Let's do what he's talking about. So that brings me to the second reason that we're talking about compassion today and haven't invited them here is that compassion is one of the most effective organizations if not the most effective organization that does this type of ministry in the world. I absolutely love them. Let me tell you just a little bit about what they do, if you missed it. They go into a country, and they deal specifically with children that are in just abject poverty. They actually, you have to go through a process to come be a part of what they do. And for kids that have the means to take care of themselves, they, they're not allowed in. These are kids that are the poorest of the poor in the world. And then they go and they work with a local church, which I'll talk about in just a second. They find a local church and then they start a school in the local church. And then they invite these kids from the villages and the, and the surrounding neighborhoods that are in abject poverty, they bring them in. They feed them, they clothe them, and they educate them, right? And the, but here's the thing, again, they do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Huge percentage of these kids receive Christ and they go to college when they're done. And so what it does is it changes the generational physical poverty. These, these people that for generations and generations and generations have had no hope whatsoever, it absolutely changes that. So many of these kids, I've met them, they become doctors, they become lawyers, they become school teachers, they become politicians. So it not only changes their life, but it changes their children's lives and the generations after them. And so not only does compassion completely change the trajectory of, of generational physical poverty, but it changes the trajectory of generational spiritual poverty. One of the things that I love about this organization is they don't work independently, but they go into a community and they find a church. That's step one. They find a church, they find a pastor that's a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching pastor and Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church. And that's who they work with. And they set up their school and then they tell those kids over and over about the love that Jesus Christ has for them, which is their greatest need, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's amazing about that is that these kids get saved. A lot of times they'll go back to their home and their family gets saved. And that not only changes generations of spiritual poverty, but these kids are growing up as Christians and they're going into society and they become leaders in society. I was uh, talking with the president of Compassion International a couple of years ago. And he was telling me, it was a 
amazing story. He was telling me about this one little girl that it was, this was like 20 something years ago. She was about eight, nine years old. He spoke to her, just kind of cared for her, loved for her and, and loved on her. And, and then she got into the program. I don't remember the country they were in, but she went through the program. She became a Christian. She graduated. She went to college. She got her master's degree. She got into politics and the president told me, he said, Matt, she is on track to be the president of this country. And she got saved in Compassion International. And so it changes the course of people's physical and spiritual lives forever. But here's the kind of the third and last reason I want to talk about today is, guys, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've spent a lot of time with Compassion. This organization is legit and it works and it's incredibly needed. I went to, uh, to Bolivia. Uh, several years ago with my son, Sammy, we got to see one of these schools and where it was happening. And, um, and by the way, we're going to be working in Bolivia. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I've got a few pictures here of my trip. The first one is uh, it's an outdoor picture of a church. And so this is an example of one of the churches that they go into over there to the right was a courtyard. We'd go play with the kids and then we'd have our services and the school would be in the church. Next picture is one of their rallies that they had when we were coming. Um, these kids are just amazing. They were beautiful. They put on a, uh, a program for us and we got to meet them. Um, they, they have lunch. They get fed there. They get uniforms. It's amazing. I decided I want to take a, a picture with some of the boys. And so this first one is a picture of me. It's my favorite picture because this kid is like, why is this gringo making me take pictures here? And so <laughs> I love the look on that kid's face. It cracks me up. Um, and then the next picture, this, I, I finally found one that, that would smile with me. He was a sweet boy. This next picture I'm going to show you is my favorite picture of the whole trip. And this is kind of funny. I'll tell you the story. That's my son, Sammy, when he was about 11 years old, I think. And he shows up and he's got these really bright, bright blue eyes. And the girls, I think they thought he was Justin Bieber or something because he's just hanging out. This line of girls lined up to get a picture with him. You can see the line over to the right. And, you, and what you can see on Sammy's face right there is him thinking, I've always known this about me. <laughs> you can see his head swelling. He was texting his brother saying, I told you, man, I'm better looking than you, right? That was, that's a great memory. We went from there and we went into one of the villages to one of the homes of a, of a little girl that was in the program. And this is when it started sinking in for me. So this is the dad of one of the little girls that was in the program. And the man made bricks for a living. And you can see the bricks behind him. And so here's what this guy did every day of his entire life. And his father did it before him. And his father did it before him. And his father did it before him. And without compassion, his son would do it. That's what they're talking about, this cycle of poverty. He made 100 bricks a day. 100 bricks a day, and he got paid one penny per brick. And so, do the math. This man was living and feeding his family on a dollar a day. Okay? I want to show you their house. This is what a dollar a day in Bolivia will buy you. That was their home. No running water. No toilet. They had one bed, four kids, two. The parents would sleep in the bed. The kids slept on pallets on the floor. We're talking about absolute total poverty. This next picture is, is also one of my favorite. Here's a little girl that, that lived there. This little girl had no dolls. 
She had no earthly possessions, but she did have a picture of her sponsor parents from the United States of America. And the lady that was the translator came in. They didn't know we were coming. We just sort of showed up. And they're like, hey, do you have a picture of your sponsor family? Her eyes lit up. And she immediately ran. She knew exactly where it was. And then I took that picture of her. Those folks are from America and they sponsor her. And so this absolutely was one of the most prized possessions of her life because she knew there was these people that lived on the other side of the country that loved her and cared about her and were helping her go to school. But I don't want to just tell you from my own experience. I want you to hear from someone that actually went through the program. And so I'd like to introduce you guys and want to, want to have you give a really warm welcome to Owen Gathanga from Kenya. So y'all give him a hand. Going to interview here for a second. He uh, did such an amazing job in the first one. He started preaching. At one point, I almost got saved. It was awesome, man. Um, so, Owen, thank you for being here with us, brother. You're from Nairobi, Kenya. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit to start off about what it was like growing up in, in Kenya as a kid? All right. Praise the Lord, church. So, I had a weird dream growing up. I know it's weird because kids want to become lawyers, doctors, and pilots, and superheroes, but I always wanted to become an accountant. <laughs> I know. It, <laughs> but I found out soon enough that that, that was never going to happen. It was never going to happen because of the family that I was born in. I was born in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, in a family of three boys, and my mom, who was a sole breadwinner, and she would bring in about 5 to $10 a month. And I mean, 5 to $10 a month to be able to take care of four people, that was, uh, it was difficult. I grew up in what you would call abject poverty. I woke up in the morning and I had no idea when the next plate of food would come from. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it went for days without having food to eat. And uh, if you've ever gone hungry for a day or so, you become desperate. And you would do anything just to get food. Uh, in your stomach, and that's really what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors, begging for food, and it wasn't a very good experience, because a lot of times when I knocked on these people's doors, I had knocked on these doors so many times, so every time they opened the door again, this kid again, asking for food, but I had to keep knocking, because I wanted to stay alive, and so, you know, a lot of times they shut the door on my face, and sometimes they let me in, and you know, kind of humiliated me and my mom just because we, she wouldn't be able to provide us with food. And that was hard. You know, we never had access to clean water. We never had taps that, you know, we would turn on and get either hot or cold water. The source of water that we had originated in a slaughterhouse. And you can imagine all that waste going into the river. And that's kind of the same water we would cook and drink out of. And, you know, it was hard. And every time we got sick, my mom told us that just hope you're going to be fine. Because I do not have the money to take you to hospital. And back in those days, if you showed up in a hospital and you did not have the money, they would not take you in. And so my mom shared with me the story that I was born in the year where there was the biggest uh, outbreak of measles in, in Kenya that took thousands of lives of kids. And, and I, I was one of those kids that had measles. And so she was holding me throughout the night and hoping 
that I was going to be fine. But she told me that that night, uh, as the night progressed, I, it, it got worse. I grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. But by the grace of God, I did. Just like so many other times in my life. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But the absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. Is when people looked at me straight in the eyes and they told me that, that I am worthless and I will never amount to anything. And, he, and they went on to talk, to talk about my lineage and my family and they talked about, you know, you were born poor, you were going to live poor, and you were going to die poor and nobody was going to know about it. And I mean, this was the record that kept playing in my, you know, in my whole childhood. And when we asked kids this question, which they, we love to ask kids, is where do you want to be when you grow up? And I always told them with a smile in my face, I want to become an accountant. But then it's what they told me next that wiped the smile off my face and crushed the little hopes that I had. Because they told me, don't waste your time dreaming because none of your dreams will ever come true. Those words played constantly. And unfortunately, I started to believe them. So you, you grew up in an environment that most of us have a hard time even imagining didn't have food, you didn't have clean water, and you had absolutely no hope whatsoever for your future. But then compassion shows up, and you got connected to compassion. Tell us about sort of a little bit of the rest of your story about how you got connected to them and how they impacted your life. Yeah, and I was about eight years old, and my mom heard about compassion and that they were helping, they were taking kids in. And so the way compassion works is there has to be a local church for there to be a compassion program. And it's, it's actually interesting that if you showed up in my community and asked them to direct you to where compassion was, everybody would be confused what you're talking about because they know Redeemed Gospel Church, which is a church that I went to through compassion, and they knew that's the church that helps uh, kids. So they don't know compassion, but they know the church. And so I got enrolled in this, uh, you know, I went to the church, and obviously compassion has to do an audit and background checks to make sure that, you know, the kids actually do need the help. And for me, it didn't, it didn't take very much convincing for them to realize that, you know, we had a need in my family. And, and so I was sponsored through compassion. And so they printed, you know, they took a picture. And funny thing about a picture that, my, one of my first pictures that they took is one of our friends uh, played a trick on us and told us that, you know, the camera flash is really painful. And so <laughs> one of my first pictures, I was probably terrified. That's it, we actually have the picture right there. <laughs> I was probably terrified because I waited for the pain to come <laughs> and it never came. And then later on, uh, he kind of laughed at us because... <laughs> And so they took this picture and printed a packet and someone, you know, at, a, at an event like this saw my picture and said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. And what got me is I got into this church where, you know, it was very weird going into the Compassion Church because every teacher that is hired by Compassion, they have to have a personal relationship with Jesus and active in the community. And so it was very weird because I could tell, I went to the church and these people were warm and loving towards me and they treated me as if I had something to offer which is very different 
Because you know, growing up with people shutting the door in your face. And so I could tell there was something weird about these people. I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but there was definitely something weird about these people. And it didn't take me long to find out that the reason why these people are weird is because they were Jesus people. And, and here's the thing. Ever since I stepped foot into that church, these people would not shut up talking about Jesus. I'm not kidding. At the heart of what compassion does is Jesus. And so from the first time you stepped foot into that church, we memorized scriptures, sang all these happy songs. And I mean, it was, it was Jesus every day we went to the church. And I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't know who he was. And so it was very new to me. Because, you know, they, they were talking about a God who knew me before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. They were talking about a God whom, you know, had a plan and a purpose for my life. I mean, I was struggling to survive. And then these people are introducing the concept of Jesus. And so it was, it was very difficult for me living in these two different worlds where I would hear about Jesus and all these beautiful things. And then I would go back home to the same people who looked at me and told me that I would never amount to anything. And so I thought, maybe if I go to the church and I accept their Jesus, these people will kind of tone it down talking about Jesus, you know? Uh, and so I went to the church and I said, I've come to accept you, Jesus. And, you know, they led me to a prayer to accept, you know, Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I thought, hey, maybe now that I've accepted their Jesus, they don't have to sell it to me anymore, you know? They'll kind of tone it down, but I was very wrong. These people did not shut up talking about Jesus. But I got myself into a situation that I did not know what I got myself into. Because the best gift that compassion ever gave to me was the gift of Jesus Christ. The best thing to ever happen to me was Jesus. And I'm going to say this, that poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. Because here's the thing. When I accepted Christ, I remember going home that night and it was something different about me. I couldn't tell what it was, but I, I could tell there was something different about me. And then I started to, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, I don't have anything to lose. Why don't I test and try this Jesus and see if what they say about this Jesus is really true? And so, you know, I began to cultivate this relationship with Jesus and something started to happen. The more I read the scripture, the more I meditated on the scripture, something started to happen. I started to know the truth and the truth started to set me free. That I was blind, but all of a sudden scales were falling from my eyes and I started to realize that, wait a minute, there's a very big disconnect between whom my God says I am and whom the world says I am. I knew the truth and the truth started to set me free. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions about poverty is people think that, you know, money will get rid of poverty. But that's a lie. Money can never get rid of poverty. But Jesus can. Because Jesus works from the inside out. And I love that compassion did that for me. And, and so, you know, compassion gave me Jesus. They gave me food. They gave me clean water. They took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to graduate high school and go on to college. And I did my, you know, I did my bachelor's degree. And guess what? Accounting. 
And, and I got a scholarship to go to North Dakota State and I did my master's degree in guess what? Accounting. And then I sat for my CPA license and I'm a CPA in America. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting here today in front of you representing what compassion does is I have been released from poverty in Jesus' name. You know, Owen, um, my wife Jennifer and I, we sponsored three children from Compassion. When our kids were little, they all kind of grew up together. They wrote each other letters back and forth. You have a really neat story when it comes to your Compassion sponsor. So tell us a little bit about that and how much that meant to you growing up. Yeah. And uh, so for me, one of, the, one of the most beautiful things about getting a sponsor is uh, one of the first letters that I got from my sponsor, it had three words that no one had ever said to me before. So the first time, first time I heard these words, I love you, was in a letter that I got from my sponsor. And that just about blew my mind that somebody all the way in America would seem to think that I'm lovable. And uh, so about 10 years or so ago, I got married to my wife, the love of my life, and that's awesome, the hardest woman in the whole white world. <laughs> and that was beautiful, but I also had something special happen. That on our biggest day, this guy, he was, you know, he was, he was my, my, one of my best friends, and you know, he was pretty much my superhero growing up. And my sponsor, whose name happens to be Owen, was the best man in our wedding. And I don't know if you have the pictures. Yeah, and so... And that's really the picture of compassion, what compassion does. And the thing is, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think you guys would have been comfortable me standing in front of you and sharing my story. Because I was poor and it showed in, you know, the way I dressed and in everything. But 20 years later, you know, this guy stepped in and look what the Lord can do. One of the most beautiful things is for me now, I understand now, you know, being a sponsored child to now me and my wife, uh, we sponsor three kids through Compassion. And see, the next picture there is a picture of uh, me and, uh, and Joseph. I don't know if you have uh, that picture, but for me, sponsoring a child every month is the best money that, you know, I ever spend every month because I understand. I've been on that side. I know what it means. It's the difference, you know, between sometimes between life and death, between, uh, you know, these kids being who God called them to be. But the most beautiful thing is you get to speak into their lives and tell them that they do matter. And, you know, as a CPA, I can stand in front of you and tell you I love what compassion does. I love their integrity. Their money, the money that you spend every month to sponsor a child actually goes to helping those children. It does work. I am proof, and that's part of the reasons why we sponsor the kids, because I know what it means. And I'm gonna end it here and say that, you know, before compassion came into my life, I had nothing to give until they gave me Jesus. And then for the first time in my life, I had something to give. How beautiful is that? And I remember one of the first conversations was me and my brother when I sat down with him and I told him, you know, I went to this church and I found Jesus. And I asked him, will you follow me as I follow Christ? Mm. And he said, yes. And, and it's the story of what compassion does. They take one child and give that one child Jesus. 
And then as a result of that, generations get to hear about the goodness of the Lord. And if that's not the gospel, then I don't know what it Amen. is. Amen. Amen. Love it. I'm going to tell you how you can do this in just a second. But, uh, you know, folks are going to walk out the door here in a minute. They're going to connect with a child, sponsor a child. That's going to begin a relationship that hopefully will last a really long time and maybe even end like yours did. Um, would you pray for us? Would you just pray for the, this moment that, that God would lead us? Sure. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this beautiful morning that you've given unto us, oh God. Thank you that you were so good. You've been so good, Lord, to us, oh God. Lord, I, I bring Sagemon Church, oh God, uh, into your hands today, oh God. And I'm thankful, oh God, for what you're doing in this church, oh Lord. I thank you, Lord, for each and every member of this church, oh God, from the leadership, oh God, to every person that comes to church every Sunday, oh God. Lord, I pray for this church, and I'm thankful for what they are doing in this community, oh God. Thank you, Jehovah God, that you have set them apart, oh God, to be the city on a hill, to be the light of the world, oh God, and to be the salt of this community, oh God. Thank you so much, oh God, for what you're doing through them, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for the impact that they are making in your name, in Jesus' name, oh God. And so I bless every member of this, of this church in the name of Jesus, oh God. May you bless them from the hair on their head to the sole of their feet. May you bless them going in and coming out, oh God. May you bless everything that they do, Jehovah God. And Lord, as they walk out through those doors, oh Lord, and, they, and, and, and Lord, they... They are praying about the decision to sponsor a child, oh God. May you speak to them in a language that each of them do understand, oh God. Thank you for the ministry of compassion. And thank you, Jehovah God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jehovah God, the, the Lord, that compassion gets the opportunity to reach out to these kids and give them Jesus, oh God. And the ripple effect that comes from that is these children get to take Jesus yeah. everywhere they go, oh God. That these children in turn get to go and take their families out of poverty in Jesus' name, oh God. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, oh God, and I'm humbled that I get to stand here today, oh God, and share my story of what you have done, oh God through compassion in Jesus' name. And so I bless this day, oh God, and I bless all those relationships with all those kids that are going to be created today. And thank you for the so many testimonies that are going to come out of today, oh God. And I thank you, Jehovah God, for who you are, oh God. And we pray all this, believing and trusting in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Y'all give him a hand. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Here in just a second, we're going to sing and then I'll release you. But um, I'll tell you how this is going to work. So outside we have tables set up and we have children that we're going to give you the opportunity to sponsor. This is Diana and um, she's three years old. Um, her birthday is on December 25th, which is pretty cool. Christmas baby. And, um, but we have a bunch of them out there. It's $38 a month. That's just a few trips to Starbucks. You know, one of the first questions I asked is what percentage goes directly to the children, to the school? And it's 81%. So about 31 of the $38 goes directly to the care of the children there. And I think that's an amazing percentage as these uh, organizations go.
the children we're going to be sponsoring are in Cochabamba, Bolivia. Isn't that a cool name, Cochabamba? It just rolls off the, the tongue and turns out that Katia Banfield, um, our own Katia, which is on the front row today, she's from Cochabamba. She was not one of the children, but she was there in Cochabamba. And this is an amazing community, amazing city. But those are the kids that we're going to be sponsoring today. There's two ways you can do it. You can go outside here and you can choose your child and um, fill out the form and compassion will take care of the rest. If you're watching with us online and you can sponsor a kid by texting the word SAGEMONT to 83393. So you can text the word SAGEMONT to the number 83393. And you don't get to choose your child, but the child chooses you, which is pretty cool. And so I'm gonna pray for us real quick. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna worship. I'm gonna come back up, give you one more thing of instructions, and then we're gonna let you get out of here today. Let's stand together. So we worship the Lord. Father, we just love you and thank you for the fact that we're sitting in a comfortable, beautiful sanctuary. We're going to leave here and we're going to go eat lunch. And then we're going to go eat dinner. We're going to get up and go to a school. Father, we thank you for the blessing that we take for granted every single day. Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us. God, I pray that there would be stories of life change and eternity change that happens because of today, because of the people of Sagemont use the money that you've given them to change a kid's life. Lord, we love you and, and God, we just wanna worship you today for all that you've done for us. And we ask that in Jesus' name.